Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I started to realize that not being an expert isn't a liability, it's a real gift. If we don't know something about ourselves at this point in our life, it's probably because it's uncomfortable to know. If you can die before you die, then you can really live. There's a wisdom at death's door. I thought I was insane. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do because there was no internet. I don't know, man. I'm like, I feel like everything is hard. Hey, y'all. My name is Kat. I'm a human first and a licensed therapist second. And right now, I'm inviting you into conversations that I hope encourage you to become more curious and less judgmental about yourself, others, and the world around you. Welcome to You Need Therapy. Okay, guys, we are back for the fourth and final installment of our series on the four horsemen of the relationship apocalypse. We have been doing this series. I've been dragging it out because, you know, I just haven't wanted to end. And also I've had some really good episodes that I wanted to sprinkle in between. But we've been doing this for a couple months. We are finally here, the final week, the fourth horseman. If you are new here and you're like, what are you talking about? Well, you should go back and listen to the first episode. We've covered the three horsemen that come before. And again, these are four patterns of managing conflict and things that come up in conflict that have a big part and play a big part in if a relationship is going to last or if the destruction of its existence is on the horizon. So let's recap. We on week one did an overview of the four horsemen and John Gottman who created these and came up with these. And then we talked about the first horseman criticism which is an attack on your partner's character. The antidote is the way to, you know, heal that or reverse that. The antidote is a gentle startup. 
And then the second horseman we have is contempt, and that is belittling someone. It in- involves name calling and, you know, just being really mean on purpose. And the antidote for that is building a culture of appreciation and respect. And then we had the third horseman, which was defensiveness, which is self-protection in the form of righteousness or proclaiming being a victim, victimhood, an attempt to avoid any perceived attack on you. And the antidote for that is just simply taking responsibility. And now we have made it to the final horseman, the fourth horseman, stonewalling. So what is stonewalling? You guys are asking, you're wondering, maybe you have read ahead and you know, and you just want to hear me say it. What is stonewalling? Well, by the name, you can somewhat take a pretty good guess. It's as if you are metaphorically building a wall between you and your partner. And sometimes you will see this defined as a refusal to communicate or cooperate, but it really is not that simple. Although if you're looking at it, or sometimes even if you are experiencing it, it might seem that simple. It might seem that way. And often this comes as a response to contempt. It's a way to kind of shut down when you're feeling flooded, overwhelmed, and just stuck in a conflict. So this is when your partner withdraws from the conflict and they just stop responding. It can look a couple different ways. It's not just sitting next to somebody and not talking to them and just ignoring them and giving them the silent treatment. Um, Sometimes you can withdraw through becoming distracted by something um, like a chore, maybe doing something around the house. Maybe you start looking at your phone. Um, Maybe you start paying attention to something that's on TV, something like that. And this, like the other horsemen, can become a natural unconscious just habit. It just happens. You're in the mode of conflict. You're, this is how you do. This is the dance you do. And it's just the next thing that comes. If the conflict always escalates, it will just become somebody's way of dealing with being overwhelmed and the overwhelm that is associated when, when you are, like I said, feeling stuck, unheard, invalidated. And I also mentioned a second ago, I used the word flooded, that this happens when a person gets flooded. And feeling flooded means that we kind of enter, not kind of, we do enter a state where we physiologically do not have the ability to engage in rational mind and we're not using logic. That part of our brain has kind of shut off and our threat defense system kicks in. And that's where stonewalling comes in and you enter that free state. So when you think of the threat defense system, the autonomic nervous system that happens when we, we see or feel or experience danger, we perceive danger, the ways that we move through that fight, flight, or freeze. And stonewalling is a way to kind of freeze. So when we experience flooding, it's as if someone pulled the fire alarm inside of your body, which can be very helpful if you are, say, on a hike and you start being chased by a bear. Your body will shoot you into a state that offers the energy, the hormones that you need to escape the situation. Although, I don't know if you're supposed to run from a bear. I was about to say, like, you get adrenaline and then you get to run away from the bear. I don't know that you're supposed to run from the bear. Maybe. I think one of the things you do is you be you act really tall and big. But you know what? Where This is not – I'm not giving you survival strategies for the wilderness, so don't take my word on that. You can look that up. But this idea still – plays out, right? So this is really crucial in that threat defense system. If there really is a threat to your safety in that way, we do need that to kick on. But when you're in a conversation with your partner and the alarm starts sounding off, we lose the ability at that point to effectively communicate with them. And 
we don't necessarily need to run away from partners in, in that state. We need to find a way to effectively communicate so we can hear each other and manage the conflict we're having. So when we're stonewalling, we're entering into that free state and we can sometimes dissociate, which you're very much not aware of when when you do that. Or we can just shut down to avoid further persecution or just feeling unheard or feeling hurt. And I read in an article on the Gottman Institute website, which I highly recommend that website for all of the resources. They have so many blogs and just different pieces of information. And that's where you can get all their books. So I highly recommend that website. But I was reading an article that I found on there. And the person that wrote this article said, when you are stonewalling, you're essentially the possum playing dead, not because you're manipulative, but because it's your body's response to a perceived life and death situation, just like a possum plays dead when, you know, they want to find safety. And I really like this way of viewing it because it highlights a huge misconception. Stonewalling is not so much a stubborn choice someone makes to prove a point or get their way. Although it's not a habit that tends to be helpful in resolving the conflict, it's also not something people are generally doing because they, in quotes, choose it. They're doing so to protect themselves. And remember, this isn't happening when somebody has access to their very logical decision-making skills part of their brain. It's an animal instinct. It's a survival instinct. So something that might be coming up in your head, I know this has come up in my head before, and I even used this term earlier, you might be thinking, well, Catherine, this kind of sounds like the same as the silent treatment. Is that what that is? It's a silent treatment. Stonewalling is stonewalling the silent treatment. And the answer is a little complicated because they can look the same. There are differences. They're both not very helpful. They both cause a lot of frustration on, on both sides, I believe, and they can become habitual. I think of the silent treatment as more of a deliberate choice by the person doing the silent treatment. I can remember the silent treatment being something that I did this and my friends love to do this to each other when we were in like elementary school and middle school. And sometimes we would, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about the times that I remember this happening and we would go weeks without speaking to each other and then we would forget what we were even mad about. And then we would just stay mad because we can't remember. But then there would be that embarrassment of like, well, I know that I was mad for a reason. And then, you know, it's really hard to resolve the conflict at that point. But it's something that we did as kids and in spaces where our relationships weren't, we didn't have the skills and we didn't have the brain capacity and we hadn't learned enough about healthy relationships and communication and all that to really move through having your feelings hurt or being upset about something. And so we would choose the silent treatment to get our way or get attention or prove a point. The silent treatment, when I think of those situations, was not used as a way to disengage from an overwhelming situation. It was more of a punishment to prove a point, like I said. And it was a very conscious and intentional refusal to acknowledge or speak to the person that I was giving that to. What is interesting, though, is our choice to use the silent treatment can actually cause the other person involved, the person we're giving the silent treatment to, to become flooded themselves. So we're not being flooded and then we stonewall. We cause flooding towards that other person because of the nature of how silent treatment can just like cause a person, for lack of a better term, to feel crazy because you just won't speak to them. And there's no no rationalizing with that person at, at that point because the 
what you've chosen to do is irrational. And so that flooding can still happen and then that can come out in different ways for that person. But the person doing the silent treatment isn't doing that out of being flooded. Most of the time they're doing that deliberately on purpose. They have made that choice. And I think just an easy way to say the difference is the silent treatment appears very much more intentionally hurtful. While stonewalling can be hurtful, it's more of a frantic yet outwardly facing calm, but an inwardly facing frantic effort at self-preservation and survival. And it can be argued, I think, depending on who you're talking to, and you know, I'm not completely sold on this either, but it can be argued that silent treatment is also an indicator of flooding for that person, the person that's doing it. And I can hear and understand the argument for this because when the brain thinks rationally, somebody wouldn't choose to ignore someone to get what they would want. But I still think the jury can be out on that because there is a lot of nuance here. And I think somebody can still deliberately choose that out of a manipulative, immature decision-making situation. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter as much because the consequences and the solution to both silent treatment and stonewalling are going to be basically the same. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I used to be a pretty classic stonewaller in conflict. And maybe it came from my practice of the silent treatment as a child. I don't know. Um, I think it had more to do with the relationship I was in. But when I was in a certain relationship years ago, I had a partner who would very, very often use criticism and contempt when we would have conflict. And I would get to a point where I knew nothing I said would make a difference. And I would feel very much trapped in the conversation with no way out. Even if I were to agree with this person, there would still be something wrong with me agreeing with them. And so what I started to do is I would just not speak. I would become very quiet. I remember trying to process what to say, but also feeling paralyzed as if I couldn't come up with anything. And then of course, this made my partner more outraged and things would escalate and then he would kind of come at me louder and stronger and and more hurtful which would then cause more franticness inside of me and more chaos inside of me and so I would just completely shut down in order to escape that situation and it's important to note here that 
I am not somebody who is generally at a loss for words. But during these conversations, it started to feel like nothing I, I said mattered or anything I said would make things worse. So it was my way of diffusing the situation, although not one time was it successful because it created another issue. Part of the issue in that relationship, which it did end, and you could have probably predicted that if you saw the way we we fought, there was no rationalization with my partner either. So when I calmed down, my partner still was not able to calm down unless hours and sometimes even days had passed. So no matter what I did, I could get out of the situation, but I wasn't going to change my partner's behavior and I couldn't do that. And that essentially led to part of the demise of the relationship. And now I still get a little jumbled. Before this relationship, this really wasn't a thing that would happen in real conflict between people outside of me giving the silent treatment to my friends in middle school. But now when I have conflict, I still can get a little jumbled. And part of that comes from just the trauma of some of those arguments and how long it lasted and it was very pervasive. But now that I'm in a healthy relationship, the difference is even when I do get jumbled and I am at a loss for words or I don't really know what I want to say, I'm able to ask for space and time to process my thoughts. And I'll often say to Patrick, who's my fiance, which is still weird for me to say, we got engaged like three weeks ago, or anybody I'm, I'm talking to, I'm able to say, Something like, hey, I'm going to respond. I just need a minute to process and decide what I want to say. Just give me a second. And when you're in a healthy relationship, most of the time, that's going to be met with understanding and patience and care. And that was not the case before. If I would have said that, he would have probably just filled the space of me thinking of berating me even more with probably more contempt. (laughs) But like I said in the beginning of this episode, this often is a response to a lot of that contempt that then floods the body and it makes you feel like there is, I mean, there is an emotional threat there. It makes you feel like I got to get out of this. I'm not going to run from this bear, but I'm going to shut down so I can at, at some point kind of like pretend that this isn't happening if you're actually dissociating. But also it's like almost like waving that white flag of, there's nothing I can do to make this better at this point. So I'm just going to be quiet. And I hope that at one, at some point this just passes. I know sometimes that was the thought in my head, even though the part of me that was rational, that wasn't there at that moment was saying, that's not, that's not going to help solve this. Now, like I said in the beginning, and like I said, on every one of these episodes, there's a good part. Yes, this might be something that is prevalent in your relationship, but there's also an antidote. And if both partners are willing to experiment and play with and invite in this antidote, you can move through and learn how to manage your conflict better. Because again, none of this is about getting rid of conflict. That's not why I'm I'm even focusing on that. We're really focusing on how it is managed. So we're all going to have conflict. It's very helpful. It's very healthy to have conflict. It actually helps you learn about your partner. It's a way to express needs. It's it's great. We have to have healthy ways of managing it. And so if you would like to manage it well, you can write in the antidote for the fourth horseman stonewalling. And so before we get to that, I'm going to review the, the antidotes that I reviewed at the top of this episode for criticism, the gentle startup, for contempt, building a culture of appreciation and respect, defensiveness, accept responsibility. And now stonewalling, instead of withdrawing to avoid the conflict, the antidote is to self-soothe. Now, if we want to start to break the cycle of getting to the flooded state, 
just on its own and then engaging in stonewalling, it could be helpful to look at some of the warning signs that show up when someone's beginning to be flooded. And these are coming straight from Love is an Action Verb, a book by Laura Silverstein. And I'm just going to read through some of the things that show up when flooding is about to take place or you're actually in it or it's creeping up on you. So your heart rate begins to rise. You might start holding your breath. Your breath changes. It's irregular. You might start taking light breaths. You aren't able to listen as well as you usually do. feels like there's almost like something like a roadblock that gets in your ears that you can't stay with what your partner's saying or kind of like track. Getting confused and having trouble finding words. Voice or tone gets louder and in, has an edge on it. You feel defensive, right? So that third horseman comes in um, and you're defensive on what's being said straight from the gate. Um, your muscles tense. You feel kind of like that crazy feeling of deer in the headlights of like, oh, I don't know what to say. Like, what? How do, what are you talking about? Just very kind of confused, shocked, kind of like empty. Your fists might clench. Your teeth might grind. Your facial muscles might constrict. Your jaw or your, your brow might tighten. Your shoulders tighten a lot of times. You might start to feel even nauseous or lightheaded. So if you notice any of those happening, especially a combination of them, it could be a good time to call a timeout. So then you can bring your arousal back down to a baseline and bring that calmness and that safety in where then your logic brain and your rationale can kick back on. It could also be a really good time when you notice some of those to say, hey, I'm starting to feel really tense. I notice that uh, my jaw is clenching or I'm not able to listen very well right now or my chest is really tight right now and I feel like this is just escalating. So why don't we take a 20-minute break and let's meet back in the kitchen at 5.45. And the thing here is you're asking like, hey, why don't we do this? And you're asking for your partners like, hey, can we agree on this? Even if your partner refuses, you're allowed to take that break. You can say something like, hey, I see that you don't want to do what I proposed and you kind of want to finish this now, I know what I need is that to have a productive discussion with you, I'm going to need to take a break so I can just calm my body down and and clear my head for a little bit. So I'm going to go do that and I'll be back here in 20 minutes and I hope that you're here and we can continue this then. That might even force your partner because you're disengaging might force your partner to engage in some self-soothing, even if they didn't initially agree to it, right? Because you've gone off, maybe they start to like write their thoughts down or they start to pace or they start to anything. All of those things can help them just self-soothe, calm back down, take a break from the back and forth and just sit or move if that's what's helpful too. I think with self-soothing, what's really helpful in those really tense conversations, because what we do is with a lot of the things that I said, you can see our muscles tense up, our, our neck tightens, our, we scrunch our brows, our jaw gets tight. We need to like loosen up and release some of that and that energy. And so something that is very helpful is just shaking our body out. Like whether it's, I'm sitting here as I'm saying this, I'm just like shaking my hands back and forth or doing some light stretches, touching your toes, uh, maybe doing a couple jumping jacks honestly can, can be really helpful just to loosen everything up. So that's something that you can do when you go and you take your break. And when I say self-soothing is is the antidote, it can be whatever works for you. I, I'm, I'm not giving you a list to choose from necessarily because self-soothing can be different for all kinds of people. 
I always say something that's self-soothing is something that just like feels good. It just kind of like allows you to take that big exhale and let that breath that you've been holding on to tight just release. So it can be you lying in your bed comfortably, just lying there, maybe listening to a really calming song. It can be going and standing in front of the freezer and feeling that like rush of coolness on your face. It can be washing your face. It can be, you know, taking a shower. It can be doing a couple laps walking around the house. It can be getting in your favorite yoga pose, doing some cat cows, just something that allows you to, again, take that big exhale so you can step back into that place where all of your brain gets to be accessed, not just the part that's like, all our energy has to be focused on staying alive. Because while it feels like you and your body might be telling you, threat, 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 danger, 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 you're gonna die, you're not going to die. You just don't have the ability for your brain to let you know that at that point. So we got to bring that back in because there's different rules. Guys, there are different rules when you're on a hike, when there's a bear chasing you and when you're just out there and there's some like cute squirrels jumping around. There's some different rules. And we need, if we are in the space where there's just some squirrels, we need the rules that apply to just the squirrels. We don't need the lack of rules that apply when there's a bear chasing you. So there you have it. The fourth horseman of the relationship apocalypse. And again, I said earlier, the Gottman website, search Gottman Institute on Google or wherever you search things. And I can link their website in the show notes for you too. So you can just click on it. I highly recommend it. There's tons of resources, tons of articles, tons of blogs, tons of books, all of their books. I haven't read them all, but I imagine if John Gottman has something to do with it, they're going to be good. So I highly recommend if you want more of this, because I gave you very kind of beginner level condensed versions of all these things, go there. And that's a great starting place. And you can actually even search too, if you're looking for a therapist or a relationship therapist, you can be trained by the Gottmans and the Gottman Institute. There's a specific training that couple therapists and family therapists go through. And so you can look for that. If you are noticing some of these things come up in your relationships, you can look for that when you're looking for a therapist. And you can say like, hey, do you know about this? Or do you know somebody that does know about this and and use this as a guide to some of their practices? So can't recommend it enough. Thank you for being on this journey with me. I've gotten some good feedback that this was really helpful information, although some of it wasn't just like these big, huge, eye-opening revelations, these really simple, digestible things that John Gottman has come up with can be very, very, very transformative, really. So I've gotten some good feedback. I'm glad that you guys have enjoyed this. I've loved refreshing myself with it as well. So there we, you have it wrapped up on the four horsemen. I will be back with you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. If you are not familiar with what that is, is the bonus episode of Unit Therapy where I answer questions that you guys send to me and you can send those to Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. So you guys can send me questions about anything and then I might choose it and answer it on the podcast. I always keep them anonymous so you don't have to worry about that. You can feel very safe sending your questions. But if you have any specific to this episode, any of the Four Horsemen episodes or just anything, send them my way. You can follow me at cat.defada and at Podcast on Instagram. And I hope you guys have the day you need to have. I will be back with you Wednesday for Couch Talks.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.